0: is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above. I want to tell you a story today. It's found in the first chapter of 1 Samuel. Hannah was in absolute despair. She had tried everything she knew to have a child. Nothing had worked. She felt embarrassed of little value. Her heart was broken. She was married to a man who had two wives. And Elkanah loved Hannah. But it was the other wife, Penea, that was having all of the children. And she was not kind Elkanah. She was not kind to Hannah because she knew Alkanana loved her more than more than he loved Panera, and so this family triangle is in bitter war. there's no peace. Hannah is a person of great dignity she loves the Lord with all of her heart. She knows that the Lord God of heaven reigns, that he rules over heaven and earth. But she is agonizing because she doesn't have a child. And she can't seem to escape this giant despair. She is trapped She's trapped in the marriage. She's trapped with her life. She, she is utterly without hope. She feels like God has forgotten her. Have you ever felt like everybody has forgotten about you? I have felt that way in the past. Like, what am I doing? There's nothing to hope for. And the giant despair has me solidly tucked away in his in his dungeon. And I can't seem to break out of it. Hannah year after year would go with her husband and Penea to Shiloh where the tent of meeting was. Hophni and Phineas were the two sons of Eli. Eli was the senior priest. Now of the sacrifices, always the choicest portions of meat Elkanah would give to Hannah. But the scriptures tell us, in verse 5, this is 1 Samuel 1, verse 5. But Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. I want you to understand the struggles in our life are either against our own sin and our own hard-heartedness Or our struggle is against what God has instituted. Now, the question is how do we break out of it? Well, certainly, the first is easy to answer repentance will give a person an escape from the dungeon, from giant despair. Repentance will open the door. And by the use of promises, you can escape. But what if the prison you're in is one created by God? And you're boxed in. And you can't break free. And you're agonizing in your heart. And you're despairing in your heart. And you're saying this is hopeless. I've tried as hard as I can. I can't save this marriage. I've tried as hard as I can. I can't be successful in this business enterprise. I've tried as hard as I can. And nothing seems to work. the Lord had closed her womb. Now because her womb was closed, the other wife, Penea, scorned, scorned Hannah, spoke unkindly to her. She saw herself because of the children she was bearing for Elkanah as the senior wife of the family. And so she would boss and contradict and charge and accuse. She did everything she could to provoke and irritate Hannah. Now this was not a short duration. The scriptures tell us that this went on year after year. She is trapped. There's no way out. Elkanah would, would say to her, Hannah, Why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Well, yes. That's why she wanted to have a son. She wanted to have a son for her husband. She wanted to honor her husband. Sons in those days were great financial gain because they helped work in the family business, in the farm, in the livestock. It was an agrarian culture. But she was blocked by God. And she could do nothing about it except weep. Now, on one occasion, when they had finished eating and drinking, and Penea had been especially brutal with her, Hannah stood up and walked to where the tabernacle was Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple and she came in bitterness of soul and she wept at the tabernacle of meeting and she prayed to the Lord about this situation. Now I want to frame this for you perhaps differently than you have looked at it before. We all know the story. But the story goes much beyond Hannah and Penea and Elkanah. It goes directly into our lives today. I know people today who are absolutely trapped. They're trapped in business debt. They're trapped in a school that they have to attain and it's bitter for them, but to get the job they want, they have to take care of their family and they have to go to school at the same time. They have to work and they have to study. And where's the time for the for the wife and for the children? I know people who are trapped in financial ruin, who are agonizing. I know of others who are trapped in alcohol or drugs or sex addiction. I know others who are were just trapped in poverty, grinding poverty, and they see no way out. And there is no way out. They are locked in. This is where Hannah was. But now I want to speak to you about a key issue. And that key issue is, what does God want from you? What does God want from you? Not for you. What does God want from you? If you find yourself blocked in, and it's not because of your sin. It's just how life is. And it is hard, and your heart is anguished and bitter, angry, disappointed. What does God want from you? Why would God close Hannah's womb? Why would God block me in? Why would He not allow me to have wonderful success? He's allowing others to have wonderful success. Why not me? Other people seem to be getting new cars and buying houses and being successful in business. Why not me? What does God want from me? That's a vital question. And until you get the answer, you will continue to be locked into that bitter prison, that dungeon. And if you go into despair, you may die in that dungeon. You have to understand And I don't know how to say this clearly enough to you. You have to understand that you do not rule your life. That your very life is in the palm of God's hand. Your prison is in the palm of God's hand. And he can speak one word and immediately deliver you. He can bring opportunities. He can bring people into your life. He can do all kinds of wonderful, wonderful things. He can heal your body. He can take the sickness away from you. What is God waiting for? What does God want from you? God does want something from every person on the face of the earth. What does he want from you? I've been praying about that. And I've been praying, Lord, what do you want from me? What is it you want? I've been faithful before him in in what I've done with giving to the poor. I've been faithful in tithes. I've been obedient in what he's asked me to do. And yet I feel blocked in. What's the issue, Lord? How do I get free? You see, I know when I was nine and ten years of age, he gave me visions of what would begin to happen in my life, at this stage in my life. I saw myself at this point in my life, and something very different was happening. And then about 20 years ago, the Lord gave me another open vision and he showed me full revival, even where the revival would take place and what it would look like and what it would sound like. I watched it. And now 20 years, I've waited for the Lord to bring about what he promised. What does he want from me? So last night, as I was going to bed, I was crying out to the Lord about that issue. And I was saying, Lord, what is it you want from me? I've obeyed you in every way I know. I've not walked in sin against you or before you that I'm aware of. And yet I don't see happening what you've promised I should see happen. So Lord, what do you want from me? Went to sleep. Woke up about five this morning. And I said, Lord, I don't want to get up. You haven't answered my question yet. What do you want from me? And immediately I was asleep again and I had a dream. I want to share that dream. It's a very personal dream, but I want to share it with you. I'm committed to being transparent in this journey, and I don't have any I don't have any reputation to uphold. So I'm going to be straight up with you. Because I think many of you are in the same place that I've been and am. In the dream, I was walking down a street on the sidewalk. And out in the middle of the street, I saw a moving box. You know, one of those, one of those big boxes used for packing clothing. I said, that's strange. I better go see if there's anything of value there. So I walked over and I looked in it. There wasn't very much in it, but down on the bottom was a jewelry case. I thought, oh, I better look in that. So I picked it up and I looked at it. And there was nothing of value in it. So I dropped it back in and continued walking. I left the box right in the middle of the street. As I walked, I heard a very pleasant voice say to me, You have sinned against God. I said, How have I sinned against God? And he used a word that we're not very well acquainted with today. But it meant, you're greedy. And I woke up. I said, Lord, I've not gone after money. I've not tried to become rich. What are you talking about? I was very upset. I was very disturbed. And very clearly, I knew in my spirit exactly what he was talking about. I have wanted to have a financial kitty. I've wanted to have several thousand dollars that I could hold back in case of an emergency. And I think that's wise. I would recommend that every family have an emergency kit. Have a a portion of money put aside in case there's a car repair or in case there's some other problem. Medical crisis. He said to me, in my spirit, you've tried to secure for yourself, you have wanted to secure for yourself the safety of having money put away. Now, the reason that's a very key issue for me is that I'm not on salary. I haven't been for more than 20 years. And always in the back of my mind is the concern, what happens if I can't, if I can't rescue myself. So I was in some time ago, a car accident. Um, I was crowded off the highway on a curve and my car hit a ditch and rolled. When we came to a stop, when I came to a stop, I was the only passenger. I was able to open the door and step out. The airbags had all blown. I stepped out of the car and I walked away from it. Shortly, the police came. They looked at the car and they said, We don't know how you survived that. The car is a total wreck. Every window is broken. The roof is jammed in. We're glad you're alive. I told them what happened. A witness told them what happened. But now, what do I do? I don't have a car. I've got a ride home, and I'm without a car. And I'm crying out to the Lord. Lord, I don't have that kitty put away. I don't have the money to buy another old junker like that one was. It had been given to me by a kind radio listener. I wondered, what do I do now? Well, I knew what to do. Go into the prayer closet and ask the Lord if He would give me another car. And after several weeks, the Lord answered and said yes. And shortly, I was given another car. Now, it's not a new car. It has 200,000 miles on it, a sonata. but it works. And it takes me where the Lord sends me to go. Now what's the issue? Let's get right to the heart of it. Can you trust God to take care of you? Can you trust God to answer your prayer? Will Jesus deliver you from the giant despair? Or are you on your own to think through, to plan, to take care of yourself? This has been the greatest struggle of my life. This This whole journey began for me as a very successful pastor. But my heart was utterly broken. And I said, everything we do, we we make our plans. We plan our television programs. We plan our radio programs. We plan our church outreaches. The board votes on these things. We raise the money, and we accomplish them. Where is God in this? And it was clear to me it was not God. It was savvy business marketing. The church was growing. It was prospering. Because of human flesh, not because of God's spirit, not because of the blessing of Jesus. We ask him to bless us, but come on. It was a business. And I knew I couldn't continue doing that. I won't tell you the rest of the story now, but let's come back to the primary point, and that is, can I trust God to deliver me? Can I trust God to carry me? And I answer unequivocally, yes, I trust him to carry me, but there is a portion in my heart where I'm still not right with Jesus on this issue. Now, some of you say, Oh, I trust Jesus. It's easy to say, I trust Jesus until you're like Abraham and the Lord says, take your son, your only son, and go offer him on that altar a burnt offering. It's easy to say, I trust in Jesus until your car is wrecked and you don't have any way to get another one. It's easy to say, I trust in Jesus until you're fired from your job or you're laid off and you don't have an income and the bills are all piling up and it looks like you will lose everything and be evicted from your house. Now do you trust Jesus? Or do you pray and when he doesn't answer, you say, well, I guess if it's going to be, it's up to me. I'm the one that's responsible and I've got to make it happen. God helps those who help themselves, the famous saying of every pagan. So the question is, for me, and I think it fits your foot as well, can I trust God to deliver me? And that comes back to this key question for this broadcast. What does God want from you? And so this morning, I was asking the Lord, Jesus, what is it that you want from me? I'm doing everything that I know of that you've asked me to do. What is it that you're saying? What do you want from me? And very clearly in my spirit, I knew what he wanted. To give up all hope of being able to financially take care of myself. To give up all hope that by any means of request or manipulation, I can cover the cost of this radio. To give up once and for all any idea that I can do any of the work of God and to totally trust in His power. Now I have a dear sister who is desperately ill, a sister in Christ. I've been praying for her. The Lord has been showing me some things about her life and, and what needs to happen and what God wants from her. So I've been praying about that. I've been asking the Lord how to pray. And I know one of the key issues. Do I know that God wants to heal her? Yes, I do know that. Will I pray and stand by faith for that complete healing? And my answer is immediately, yes, I will do that. I am doing that now. Then comes the whispered question, do you believe God will answer? And there I can equivocate. I can say, yes, if it's his will. That's double-mindedness. That's doubting. That's doubting. I've walked this walk for a lot of years. I'm not a beginner at it. But I'll tell you what I have learned in this journey. And that is that it's the Lord who closes up the womb And it's the Lord who will not move until we give to him what he asks us to give. And what he's asking us to give is the same thing he asked the children of Israel to give. It's the same thing Jesus asked the Jewish people of his day to give. And that is absolute confidence and trust in the Lord God of heaven. The children of Israel were blocked from going into the promised land because they would not believe and obey the word of the Lord. There is no room for equivocation. There is no room for doubt. There is no room for double thinking here. If you want to be delivered from your dungeon, you're going to have to first of all know what God wants from you and say yes. And secondly, you're going to have to stand by faith and rejoice on this side of the Red Sea, knowing that God wants to deliver you and will do so. This is not about human wisdom. And it's certainly not about human power. It is God who delivers. It is the Lord who redeems So let's ask the question, what did God want from Hannah? Well, the scripture tells us. She made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. That's what God wanted from her. He wanted a son, a righteous man who was a Nazarite. He wanted a man who could stand up in Israel and counter the wickedness of Eli and the sons of Eli. He wanted her boy. Now, she continued praying. She'd made the vow, but she'd not heard God answer. So she continued praying, as rightly she should have. That's what the Lord tells us in Luke, the 11th chapter. Keep knocking, keep asking, keep praying. Some foolish people say, no, it's lack of faith if you pray for something more than once. No, Jesus didn't have any lack of faith, and he prayed three times in the Garden of Gethsemane that God would take this cup from him. But what did God want? Submission. A willingness to die on that cross. And when Jesus finally submitted to that and gave God what he wanted, he was carried through the crucifixion and right through the resurrection. And now all authority and power in heaven are given into his hand, and he is the great judge. So Hannah kept on praying. Her lips were moving, but no sound was coming out. And Eli, seeing her and the low condition of God's people in that day, thought that she'd been drinking and was here as a drunk. And he rebuked her. How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine! Anna answers back, Not so, my lord. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in shalom. Go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went away and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Now she had done two things. She had finally submitted to what God was asking her to do. By the Spirit. Secondly, she took a hold of the promise of God, the Rama word of God to her. She took a hold of that, And now her heart is in peace. She's no longer downcast. She's no longer weeping. There's no longer anguish in her heart. She knows that God's deliverance is on the way and that she knows she will have a baby boy and she's going to bring that baby boy back and she's going to give that baby boy to God. And she is delivered from the dungeon of despair. By giving God what he wants and by a promise. How do you activate a promise of God? By first giving to God what he wants. We have to deal with God's agenda for our life and our heart. And if he's been whispering into your heart what he wants you to give him, then you must give that to him before the promise will be activated on your behalf. And I have repented for all unbelief in my heart. It's easy to say, I believe and I trust until you lack. But finally... In the midst of that anguish and that uncertainty, you rise up in faith, in the faith of Jesus Christ. If you look at Hebrews, the 11th chapter, to every one of these people they had received a promise, a Rhema word of God breathed to them. And then by the faith of Jesus, they went forward and did the great deeds that they performed. So how do you answer the question, what does God want from you? Now, you don't need to ever answer the question, what does God want from you, if you're able to supply yourself with money, through your own skills and your own abilities, You don't need to answer the question, what does God want? If you're able to have the children you desire. If you're able to medicate yourself with entertainment, television, internet, pornography, alcohol, whatever it is that you medicate yourself with, with overeating, with gluttony, with human pride, and human ability, flesh. If you can satisfy your desires with those things, you will never ask the question, what does God want from me? But if your heart is hungry, and you must have an answer, God will speak to you and tell you in your spirit or in the scriptures, suddenly it will become very plain to you what God wants from you if he is going to deliver you from the dungeon of despair. But you can deliver yourself from the dungeon of despair by social interaction, by Christian radio, listening to all of the music, by changing your mood, by going out and and eating at a restaurant, by going out with friends and Exercising, there are many ways you can relieve that inner pain of your heart. But if you relieve that inner pain through fleshly means, you'll never ask the question, what does God want from me? Now, God shut Hannah into a prison so tight, there was no means of satisfying the desire of her heart, because all she wanted was a child and she could not have a child. Her womb was closed by God. Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son because the Lord remembered her. It says, Elkanah lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Why did the Lord remember Hannah? Because she was willing to give him what he asked of her. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, which means "heard of God. Because I asked the Lord for him. And when the man Elkanah went up with his family to offer the annual sacrifices to the Lord to fulfill his vows. Hannah did not go with him. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Elkanah agreed. She stayed at home. She took care of her baby. When he was weaned, they took the baby boy, now a young man, I don't know how old, maybe five, four, five years old. That's how long before a child was weaned in that day. With a sacrifice, and they brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And she said, As surely as you live, my Lord, Eli, I'm the woman who stood here before you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I ask of him. So I now give him to the Lord for the whole life. He will be given over to the Lord. And they worshiped the Lord there. Now Hannah's womb is opened and she now has sons and daughters and the Lord richly blesses her why why did God remember Hannah because Hannah finally understood what God wanted from her and willingly gave that gift to the Lord, her son. And then every year she would take him down a new set of clothes as he grew. And later it would be said that no word spoken by Samuel ever fell to the ground. Everything he said came to pass. A powerful prophet of God, a a prophet who turned the heart of the people back to God. Now, if you've been supplying yourself with what you need to be happy, You probably have never asked God what he wants from you. But there will be no true rejoicing in your heart until you know that it is the Lord who brings death and makes alive. It is the Lord who brings down to the grave and raises up. It is the Lord who sends poverty and wealth He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's, upon them he set the world. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked will be silenced in darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He will thunder against them from the heavens. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Oh, my brother, my sister. It is the Lord that we are to fear. You will not be delivered from your dungeon, from giant despair, until you're willing to deal honestly with the Lord God of heaven, and you're willing to say to the Lord, What do you want from me, O Lord my God? And are you willing to give it to Him? Yes. The Lord has told me what he wants from me. He may want something different from you. From me, he wants me not to trust in any finances that may come or that I hold. They are all the Lord's, and they are for his kingdom and for his glory. They are not for my security. I will only receive what the Lord gives to me from his own hand, I will not take what the Lord has not given. I will not desire to receive from another hand other than that of Jesus Christ. There are things that I've been praying for. I've been praying for you. I've been praying for this broadcast. I've been praying for the healing and brothers and sisters that are desperately in need of that physical healing. I've been praying for spiritual breakthroughs and deliverance from demonic powers. I know as I give to God what he has asked me to give him. He will bring full deliverance. He will answer my prayers. I don't want you to mistake, he has answered my prayers time after time after time, and I trust him completely. But there is still that very small kernel of doubt in my heart. And this morning, the first thing I did is come into the prayer closet and pray through and say, Lord... That kernel of doubt must be utterly removed from my heart and from my life. And I will stake my life on the assurance that you are the one who is carrying me through. That you are the one who provides the finances for my personal life and for the radio ministry and the internet ministry. You are the one who opens and closes the doors. And I will praise and honor your mighty name. And I will not go to another. I will not try to deliver myself. I will not medicate my heart with worldly sounds or images or people. I will trust in the word of the Lord for he has delivered me. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress today. Could we pray? Lord, I come today and ask that you do exactly what you desire in the life of every person listening. If they have not given you yet what you want, would you put them in a prison so secure and so tight that they cannot break out of it. And let them, Lord, wear themselves out struggling against that prison. But, oh, Lord God, would you cause them to begin to ask, what does the Lord God want from me? And would you cause them to see and understand and grant the very thing you desire from them? Lord, thank you. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray. You can go to our YouTube channel, NationalPrayerChapel.com. You can listen to this broadcast. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. Walk by faith. Give God what He asks for, and He will deliver you. I'll talk to you soon.
1: Great joy. We